1: The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. a word for life a word for life is the radio ministry of the word of life bible fellowship located in tacoma washington and now here's pastor michael fields with a word for life
0: So Exodus, the uh, 17th chapter, as I said, that's where we're going to go. And as I said, we're going to read the first uh, seven verses. There was notice, if you will, what the word of the Lord declares. It says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people. And take with you of the, children, of the elders of Israel and your rod, wherewith you smote the river, take in your hand and go. Behold, I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb, and you shall smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah. Because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Well, today, dear ones, I would like for us to take as our text uh, the verses of Scripture that we have found for us here in the book of Exodus, the uh, 17th chapter, those first seven verses. And the topic that I would like for us to take as we look at these verses, dear ones, and begin to discuss the text. Dear ones, the topic I'd like for us to take is this. Don't stay in that place too long. Amen. Don't stay in that place Amen. Dear ones, in the verses of Scripture that we have before us, we see the children of Israel making their way and progressing towards the land that the Lord had promised to give to them after they left out of their Egyptian bondage. And as they are moving towards that place, they come to a time where they find themselves not having any water to drink. So they are progressing towards their promised land. They are moving in that direction and they encounter a time where there's no water for them to drink. There's nothing there that is that is drinkable. No drinkable water is present. Um, now, what I would like for us to take note of, dear ones, from our text and from their situation is not necessarily that they found themselves faced with this challenging situation, I, I, I want for us to notice the situation but not focus too much upon the situation. Because, dear ones, what I would really like for us to take note of is I would like for us to see how it was that they chose to respond to the challenging situation because instead of responding in a way that demonstrated their faith and their trust in the Lord and in his ability to provide for them and for their need they instead their response instead centered more on them expressing a sense of ingratitude and unthankfulness for all that the Lord for all that they were going through and for all that the Lord had been doing for them and so instead of focusing and demonstrating a sense of gratefulness, a sense of of, of trust and faith, the Lord is going to bring us through. He's going to make a way. They instead their response centered more on just being a sense of ingratitude, being ungrateful and unthankful for the situation that they were in and for all that the Lord had done to the, for them up to that point. Amen. Now, dear ones, uh, we just finished celebrating Thanksgiving and the definition of thanks, the definition of being thankful. The definition of being thankful is to express a sense of gratitude and appreciation for what has been done or what has been received by somebody. That is the definition of being thankful. uh, To express a sense of gratitude and appreciation for what has been done or what has been received. And dear ones, the antonym, the antonym or the opposite of being thankful is to be thankless. To express a sense of unthankfulness and ingratitude for what has been done for you and for what you have received. And so the opposite of being thankful is to be thankless or to be ungrateful or have a sense of ingratitude. And sometimes there was the best way to understand what something is, is to examine the opposite of it and then compare the two. So if we want to really understand what it is to be thankful, we need to begin to take note of what it is to have what it looks like for a person to be unthankful. If we want to understand what gratitude is, we need to begin to look at what it looks like for a person to be ungrateful or have a sense of ingratitude. Okay. Now, dear ones, I want to be clear in what I'm saying here. I want to be clear because I, I was I was, you know, Sister Ann and I were going someplace earlier and the Lord impressed upon me. Dear ones, I want to be clear about this because it is easier to complain than it is to give thanks. Complaining is easier to do than giving thanks. It is easier for somebody to find something to complain about than it is for somebody to look for something to give thanks for. See, because if I I want to complain about something, I can find something that ain't right. That ain't right. That ain't right. I, I just look around. I can find some really easily to complain about. But if I want to give thanks, sometimes I have to look hard Amen. to find something to be thankful for. Amen. And so it is easier to complain. And there as we live in a day and time where people are taking the easy way out. Yes. They are complaining about everything. Rather than realizing in the midst of all that I'm going through, I still have a reason to be thankful. I may have to look for it. I may have to search for it. It may not be easily obvious to me, but there is a reason for me to be thankful. This is why the psalmist, as you look at the 34th Psalm, the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be be in my mouth. Notice the psalmist didn't say, I feel like blessing the Lord at all times. I feel he didn't say that. He said, I will Bless the Lord. I will exercise my will to do this. I will bless the Lord. I will exercise my will to bless the Lord, even in those times where it might not be easy for me to do, but I will exercise my will and do it anyway. And so we want to begin to look at this whole situation that the children of Israel were facing. And we want to take note of what we see here in this text to see what we can learn from it. Now, dear ones, let's look at these verses one more time. Notice what we're told in verses one and two. It says, and all the congregation of Israel, of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore, do you tempt the Lord? Now, dear ones, the children of Israel are walking, are making their way towards their promised land. And they come to a place where there is no water around for them, for their families, nor for their livestock that is with them to drink. So they are now facing a situation that is serious and potentially life-threatening, both for themselves, for their families, and for their livelihoods. It's dangerous for their livelihoods because the cattle, that was their livelihood. If the cattle die, our livelihood goes away. Our finances are affected. But, dear ones, it is not the fact that they were faced with this difficult situation that is the most troubling thing that we want to see in the text. The most troubling thing that we see in the text, dear ones, is found in taking note in how they began to respond to things and began to react to the situation that they were facing. So the most troubling thing that we see in the text is not that they were going through some difficult times. The most troubling thing is looking at how they began to respond to it. And how they began to react to it. And dear ones, the same thing is true for us today. Many times the most troubling thing that we go through is not found in the fact that we can, we will, and we do face situations in life that are going to be difficult for us. They're going to be painful for us. They're going to be hard for us to deal with. Dear ones, all of us are going to go through those periods of time. Difficult times. Painful times, times that are hard for us to handle and hard for us to deal with. At times, dear ones, that's not the most troubling thing. The most troubling thing many times is found in taking note of what the difficulty is now beginning to do to you. I need you to hear that. It's not found that in that you're going through some difficulty. It's found in taking note of what the difficulty is doing to you.
1: We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able, after you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on the station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax-deductible, and they can be sent to the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message.
0: How it's impacting you and affecting you. What it's forming within your heart, Amen. within your mind, and within your spirit.
1: Amen.
0: It's not the fact that you go through difficulty. It, everybody goes through difficulty. Yes. What is it doing to you? How is it impacting you? What is it changing you into? Amen. Sometimes, dear ones, people can go through difficulty and they're this way on this side of, pro- of the problem. But after that problem is over, they're a completely different person. Amen. And sometimes it's not for the better. Dear ones, we can know for certainty. That difficult times are going to come our way because in the book of John, that 16th chapter, the Lord Jesus tells us clearly in the world you shall have tribulation. In other words, the Lord tells us that we all are going to experience times that are going to test us. They're going to try us. They're going to hurt us and they will scar us. And in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, we are told there that part of a person making their decision to live their life in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord will include that person needing to accept the fact that because of their decision to serve the Lord, that at some point in time in their life, they will face, they will experience, and they will have to go through a time of persecution. Paul says in this life, all that will live godly for Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. In other words, all of us who name the name of Jesus are going to go through a time in our lives where people will come against you. They will not like you. They will not want to want to have you around and they will do things intentionally in a way that is harmful and in a way that is that is painful against you. Amen. And so the reality that we all must accept is that for each and every one of us, none of us is going to go through this life having a scarless existence. Amen. Amen. None of us no. is going to go through life having a scarless existence. Amen. Each and every one of us is going to have and experience our own fair, of, our own fair share of scars yes. that we will get as we make our way through this life. We will experience some scars. Notice I didn't say we will experience some cuts. I didn't say we will experience some hurts. I said we will experience some scars. Now, dear ones, a scar is something that means that you have been through something that has left a permanent and visible and noticeable mark or impression on your life. I got this scar on my neck. People ask it every now and then. Somebody will ask, where would you get that from? This, I got this 30-something years ago. It's a scar, and it's visible. It's noticeable. People see it. I got this bite on my face. People say, well, where would you get that from? This is another scar. I got this 50-something years ago. There know what? Scars are noticeable. Yeah. Scars are visible. People see them. Each and every one of us will go through experiences in life that will scar you. Amen. Yeah. It will be noticeable by the others. It will be noticeable by you. A scar, dear ones, can be something that is physical. But dear ones, scars can also be things that are mental or emotional. People can go through things that scar them emotionally or scar them mentally. And dear ones, a scar means that you have been wounded in some way. You have been hurt in some way. You have been cut deeply in some way. And it has left its mark and its imprint on your life. And even though things have passed, even though things are in the past for you, the effects of what you have gone through can still be seen by you, still be felt by you. And at times they can be seen and felt by others also. But there was the question, the question that we have to ask ourselves. The question is this, what is your scar to you?
1: Amen.
0: <laughs> what is your scar to you? Is it your testimony? Amen. Here we go now. Yes. Or is it your complaint?
1: Amen. Yes.
0: What is your scar to you?
1: Yes.
0: Is it your testimony or is it your complaint? Is it part of your testimony of how God made a way, how God provided, how God brought you through? Is it part of your testimony of the victory that God has given to you? Or is it part of your complaint and a recurring refrain and a repeated, a repeating version of how you have been defeated, of how you have been, how, how people have done you wrong, how people have have mistreated you in some way, how badly it is. What, what is your scar saying? Your scar is saying something to you and your scar is saying something about you. Amen. What is it saying? Amen. Scars say something. Yes, they say so, They speak volumes. They speak stories. They tell things about you. And dear ones, as I said, all of us have scars. We will go through life Experiencing different things that will leave scars, impressions, yes. marks, visible, visible indicators that you've gone through something. Yes. What is it saying about you? Amen. And even more importantly, dear ones, what is it saying to you? And so, and so, the, as I said, the most troubling thing that we see is not that the children of Israel are having a difficult time, but we see the most troubling thing is found in taking note of how they are handling it, how they are dealing with things. But dear ones, as we look again at, the, at our text and we begin to take note of how their sense of ingratitude began to affect them, the first thing that we want to take note of, dear ones, is a person having a sense of ingratitude can affect their memory. A person having a sense of ingratitude can affect their memory. Now, dear ones, we can know this is the case because even though we see the children of Israel here experiencing a time where they are facing a serious situation, dear ones, this was not the first time that they faced this kind of difficulty. This is not the first time that they were having a hard time since they left out of Egypt. And we can know that because just turn back one chapter. Turn to Exodus, the 16th chapter. And notice what we're told in Exodus 16, starting in verse one. It says, and they, the children of Israel, took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month. After they're departing out of the land of Egypt. So they just left. They just left Egypt not too long ago. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. It would have been better for God to kill us while we were still in Egypt. And, and it, notice what he says. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, dear ones, the children here, we see the children of Israel experiencing a time of hunger. They were experiencing a time of thirst in chapter 17. But in chapter 16, they're experiencing a time of hunger. And if they, as I said, they have just left out of Egyptian bondage. Now, there are at least two interesting points that we want to take note of from what we see here from that text in Exodus 16. There was the first one is this in Exodus, the 11th chapter. If we, if we were to go back to the 11th chapter, the first two verses, when the Lord tells Moses that he is going to bring one more plague upon the people of Egypt which was the death of all the firstborn in egypt the lord tells moses moses i'm gonna bring one more plague upon the, the people of egypt and then after that they're going to let the children of israel go and that last plague was the death of all the firstborn in egypt but there was the lord tells moses at that time to tell the people to borrow from the egyptians jewels of gold and jewels of silver In other words, when and Lori Lori correctly brought it out, because when you borrow something, that means you're going to bring it back. That means you're going to give it back in some way. And so they were told to borrow from the Egyptians jewels of gold and jewels of silver. And so, what the Lord and now, now, now a better way of looking at that was when the children of Israel are getting ready to go, and the Egyptians offer these things to the children of Israel. Okay. Moses is telling them, "Take it! Don't tell, don't turn them down. Okay. Take the stuff." And so they are taking these jewels of gold and jewels of silver. They took raiment. They took various things that the Egyptians were giving to them as they were leaving out of Egypt. is said, so, well, Pastor, I'm still stuck on the whole issue of them borrowing these things. How, how could they borrow these things because they weren't going back to Egypt again? So how did they borrow these things? Okay, let's work this out. Okay. At the end of the day, the Bible tells me that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Okay. So everything belongs to God. So they're taking these things from the Egyptians and the same things they took from the Egyptians were the things that they would then begin to use in their worship to the Lord in the wilderness. Amen. The jewels and the, 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 the raiment, those are the things that were used for the tabernacle. Those are the things that were used for Aaron and his sons, the high priestly garments. The animals were the things that were used to sacrifice unto the Lord in their worship. And so by God telling them to take things from the Egyptians, he is making preparation for them to be able to worship him in the wilderness and so they are taking from the Egyptians and giving it back to God but it was God who gave it to the Egyptians to begin with and so they are borrowing it and then giving it back to its original owner Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's word in order to find a word for life.